This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Now is the time to create your dream business, and Jim Palmer is the perfect business coach to help you get that done. Jim offers three different coaching programs, and as a member of his mastermind group, you'll also benefit from the advice, wisdom, and inspiration of other successful entrepreneurs. This is a group of action takers, so if you're tired of slow to no growth and are ready to finally grow your dream business, go to www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. Hi, I'm Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver and author of Adversaries and Two Allies, and you're listening to Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are all great things in any business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach, and I am committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm so excited about this week's show, folks. My special guest is the co-founder of the Rusty Lion Academy, Bill Watkins. Let me just briefly tell you about Bill. We're going to bring him right on. We're on a little bit of a a tight time schedule today. In the first half of his life, Bill was a West Point graduate, Army officer, a world-class athlete, corporate executive, and entrepreneur, all in the first half. And in the second half of his life, as co-founder of the Rusty Lion Academy, what thrills him are the changed lives of his students. And beyond simply coach, mentor, or consultants, his students call him an extraordinary life guide. Bill, it is an honor and privilege to have you on my program today. Thank you so much for your service to our country, and, and welcome to Stick Like Glue Radio. Thank you, Jim. Equally so. I'm uh, privileged to be here with you today. You've got lots of impressive things going on, great energy, and uh, I'm going to enjoy talking to you. Wonderful. You know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of startups, and people that are kind of getting to six figures, mid-six figures, and then reaching the seven figures. That's kind of who listens to this program. And uh, I want to cover a lot of your impressive history and the time we have, but... Um, sure. You know, what, for starters, tell me a little bit about, I, I was interested um, on your website, I was reading about how you started uh, the Marina Group, Marina Group, not sure how you pronounce it, and you wrote in yep. there, with 26 credit cards, 250000 of available cash credit. I mean, there's an yep. entrepreneur for you right there. Well, it's a, it's a sad story, I guess, but an exciting one. Um, the sad part is I could not get a darn bank. Uh, to to help us out, we were in a extremely capital intensive business. I was a cut and sew uh, manufacturer, so we had to buy fabric uh, long before we converted that into finished goods, and um, just could not get that to happen. So finally, I gave up spending my energy in front of bankers, and I just accumulated. That was back in the day when you could get all those credit cards and cash credit lines, and. I spent tons of energy uh, drawing down on my cash lines and then uh, doing uh, interest-free transfers between credit cards. It was quite a feat. 
uh, and by December of 2000, I'm sorry, December of 1996, after two plus years, I was about a quarter million dollars in credit card debt. It was rather frightening, and that was actually the the uh, crucible of am I going to go forward or am I going to go get a job and pay down the debt and get on with my life. Wow. That is, yeah. you know, one of the stories I tell at my academies, I, mean, I was way over six figures uh, when I started in the lean years, but, man, you, you have taught, I feel so much better with your story. <laughs> I'm sorry it didn't work out so well, but, wow. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, wealth rewards risk and wealth rewards speed, something I say a lot. And, you know, the people yep. who just want to sit back and, oh, I'm going to put $1,000 in, and, and if I get any sales, I'll take some of that and reinvest. I mean, you can't grow a business that way today. You really have to put skin in the game. Jim, you have to go all in. And I know your audience uh, knows that from listening to you. Uh, to, to get those results, the big results that you just referenced, it, it, this is not this is not a faint faint it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, true entrepreneurship and building a business that matters uh, that matters to you, your family, and the world. Th- this is uh, all the chips on the table pushed into the middle. I'm going for I'm going for it. You have to do that cautiously and and with wisdom, but uh, you have to go at it with an attitude of what's the worst thing that can happen. In my case. Uh, I had my my wonderful attorney sit me down and say, okay, I'm going to push the chips in. I'm going all in. Uh, what if I get max up my credit line, quarter million dollars in debt? I go, it fails, I shut it down. Now what? Am I filing bankruptcy? What does that mean? And I had him literally put that in a document that I would read now and then, and I would just say, you know what? This is recoverable. This is not a catastrophic fall-off-the-cliff guy at the bottom of the ravine. This is a recoverable. I have to believe in myself. And I think that's what entrepreneurs have to do, Jim, is push the chips in and say, I want this. And and then the universe responds to that. That's so right. You know, when I was in my – I started 14 years ago in some of the early years. I was really uh, blessed to have a mentor. And he said, Jim, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is is you go broke, which you're kind of broke right now, so you'll just be more broke. And he said, "Um, you know, you're still going to go home. He said, your wife will love you. Your kids will love you. I don't know about your dog. God loves you. You're probably not going to miss too many meals. But you know what? You take all that experience and wisdom and 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 you just start again. I mean, you're actually starting in a a stronger position it may not be financially, but you are going to be in a much better place to, to relaunch again, right? And so, you know, it, it really is. It really comes down to um, kind of slaying the, the fear dragon and things like that. And uh, yep. that's that's really if you if you look at all the su- really successful people, they they have no fear. At least they don't show it. But they're really they are really willing. I love that expression. Push the chips in. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna borrow that, Bill, on my next week. Go for it. And um, I probably, I didn't invent it. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm copying it from somebody. Listen, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action, despite fear. And so you're right. We have to slay that fear dragon. Um, we all have it. There's no entrepreneur that you're going to interview, that I'm going to talk to, that, number one, doesn't have fear. Oh, prudently, we we all need to have prudent fear, but it can't freeze us in our tracks like a deer on the highway. We're, it's going to get run over. So we need to act, and um, we need to recognize that failure is part of growing. There is nobody who's done anything meaningful on the planet 
in history that has not failed, hasn't lost a battle, hasn't had a bankruptcy, hasn't whatever. Um, so I, I agree with you 100%. You know, with your background as an Army officer, I imagine you learned a lot about life and, and business lessons. Can you talk a little bit about how your experience at West Point in the Army helped shape you to who you are as a, as a business leader today? You bet. And I think the operative word there is 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 leader. Uh, if you, you know, your audience... Um, in, in, in the military, in, in West Point, in corporate America, of course, West Point, West Point is the dream from the fire hydrant school of leadership. I mean, there, there are others, but West Point is bred deep in its DNA, its gene pool, uh, to teach leadership to, to the aspirational uh, cadets there. Um, and so they're carefully chosen. The military does that. Corporate America does that. But your audience are self-selected leaders, but the operative word is leaders. They've decided to launch a business, and by that, they are the leader. They may be leading themselves in the beginning, but as they hire, they take on the great responsibility of leadership. And so it's important that that leadership is not, that they understand, that your audience understand, leadership is not a default position. Leadership is a learned position. Leadership is a there are some born and bred, uh, you know, naturally skilled leaders, but many of us are learned leaders. We have to go to the school. We have to drink from that fire hydrant of leadership education. You mentioned mentor. You're a wise man. And, you know, I would encourage your audience to, you know, learn from others, meaning books, uh, podcast like your podcast, um, uh, mentors, uh the library, Wikipedia, whatever. I mean, podcasts are uh, uh, awesome, blogs. Get out there and learn. Um, and by that, you get better and better and better. I, I, I always had um, my superiors tell me, Lieutenant, Captain, Major, leadership is not the bars on your collar. Leadership is the earned respect you get from your men. And you don't earn that respect by pinning something on, you earn that respect by being and doing. And so I think, number one, that's important. Number two, I think leadership, what I learned, is leadership is about who you are, but it's also about what you build. And I think leaders have these responsibilities. I think in the case of your entrepreneurs, they're going to um, build proactively a team. In the military, you inherit the team. They're, they're assigned to you. But Entrepreneurs have the chance to build the team. That is a proactive exercise. They have to clarify for themselves and for their team where they're headed. They have to communicate that. They have to hold the team and themselves to accountability, to results. And then lastly, they have to clarify and communicate more. And lastly, what I learned at West Point and in the military was, even more so than civilian business, is that you have to deeply care for your men. Today, the Army is more than just men, but back in my day, it was lieutenant. You have to care for your men. And by that, there was a deep and great responsibility. I, at that time, when you stepped on the battlefield, lives could be lost. And now in business, it's not so much. I mean, you don't you don't have bullets flying when you're out there. You may feel like it, but not really. No one's going to die. Um, but... These, your leaders, your audience has the responsibility for the lives of their employees and their families, 
And they need to deeply have that ingrained in everything that they do. And so, you know, I always used to say, or or I was taught, you know, uh, everyone comes off the battlefield and the leader is last. And there was a movie with uh, Mel uh, Gibson on, um, what was that called? Um, Good Men, I can't remember the name of that film. But it was a true story in Vietnam uh, about, you know, a, a very famous battle. And he was the first man on the battlefield and the last man off. And I think that's the attitude that, that I would encourage your audience to have. That's awesome. You know, so you mentioned you had a uh, background in manufacturing also. What did you learn about, like, yeah. productivity? You know, one of the things that mm. holds a lot of entrepreneurs back is they can't get stuff done. Now, I'm a big proponent yeah. of delegating. I've got a team of about 12 people that help me run my various businesses. But um, yep. in the end, you know, it, there's delegating, but there's also productivity. I mean, you have to get stuff done. What? Talk a little bit mm. about that. Yeah, this, this is a this is a science that um, your your audience can learn. Um, the three we built, so we were a hardcore, and I say we were. I mean, the company is still going, but I, I sold my interest in it back in 2012. So when I say we're, you know, I, I built a legacy business that I hope goes for generations, but I'm not involved anymore. We we were a hardcore blue collar manufacturing operation. We were a medical device manufacturer, but we made soft goods. By that, we were a cut-and-sew apparel manufacturer. So we had our foot in both worlds. We were a class uh, two and three FDA um, GMP-managed medical device business, but we also, the way we made our products was, you know, in the the spirit of cut-and-sew apparel manufacturing, which is not that common here in the United States, but for a number of reasons, United States manufacturing made more sense than outsourcing it to, you know, an import-export model. But the three things that allowed us to build this very successful business school-studied, awarded manufacturing operation was based on three principles. We called it the Morena way. We didn't invent anything except we put these principles together for a cut-and-sew business. Number one, it was a theory of constraints. Um, your audience can read, for example, Eli Goldratt's The Goal. He was a physicist, uh, Israeli physicist, who studied manufacturing and applied physics principles to manufacturing. The second was the Toyota production system. That dates all the way back to the 60s when Japan stepped over U.S. in their manufacturing speed and quality. And then the last was more invented by the state's uh, lean manufacturing principles. We put that into a triad. We called it a three-legged stool, and it produced um, the ability for us to accept orders uh, from hospitals, from surgery centers, um, from distributors around the world. We sold to about 85 countries when I uh, left the company. We could receive an order by 6 p.m. and ship it by UPS by 7 p.m. So we ran a $14, $15 million business on less than $100,000 in inventory. And so it was all about buffer management and constraints and um, lean principles. And all those probably took us – I mean, we're always tweaking. We were always tweaking that business. That's the principle of Kaizen, constant and never-ending improvement. But it took us about 10 years to really put the engine together. And once we did, and we put – it was like – throwing jet fuel 
um, on a manufacturing operation, and it was awesome. So I think, um, you know, you probably have uh, in your audience, you don't have maybe a lot of manufacturers, but the principles apply to anything, whether you're producing software, whether you're producing a design, whether you're a designer, whether you're a creative, whether you're an artist. The principles of the theory of constraints, the principles within the Toyota production system, and the principles within lean manufacturing, these principles cross over into things like managing an office, managing a meeting. Um, so they're very universal principles that we specifically apply to our business and our industry, but they're universal enough that they would apply to anyone. Um, I'm, I'm mindful of the clock. I want to. I want to ask you. I'll have to ask you to give you a brief answer because I want to ask you about the Rusty uh, Lion Academy. I know you were in sure, the 1984 sure. Olympics, Bill. Can you briefly tell us about that experience? That's pretty amazing. Well, I want to fine tune it. So, um, out of West Point, um, at West Point, I had a number of knee operations. I was a lacrosse player and a and a downhill skier, and out of those operations to rehab. Uh, my doctor would gave me the option of swimming or cycling. Swimming seemed boring at my young age, and so I chose cycling. Through that, I had these chance connections with uh, great cyclists and some of the world's best coaches, and I got recruited into competitive cycling. And so in 1977, after I graduated, I went on the circuit and was competitive enough to get selected to the world's World Championship Team, the National Team, and the Olympic Development Team. In 1980, we so I was an Army officer. I had one foot in that world, and I had the other foot in, you know, world-class competition. Um, 1980, we boycotted the uh, Moscow Olympics, and the Army graciously allowed me to uh, move forward into the towards the 84 Olympics, but only after I served two tours in Korea. Uh, that was about uh, as remote as I could get, and it was as about as exciting as the Army was at that particular time. So in 1982, I contacted the coaches. They basically gave me a 0.01% chance of making the team because I'd been away so long, and I proceeded to make the national team again, make the Olympic development team. I made the what we call the Olympic long team, so uh, in my event uh, at that time, it was a four-man competitive team, um, so I was part of the what we called the long team. But I d did not actually make the four-man team. I just we we got a bronze that year. It was the first time in history in that event. The four guys who won it are awesome, uh, and uh, of course at the time I was pretty testosterone laden and thought I should be riding uh, like them. But when I look at the game films, I I, I know that they were better than me. So um, that was my Olympic experience, so close, touched it, n knew it, could breathe it, but uh, did not get that final ride, which uh, was a little depressing at the time, but uh, was was just, uh, that's the way, that's the way it went. And um, Everybody's got a story to tell, right? So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty yeah. amazing story. Yeah, so, so you know, Rusty, Rusty Lion is a lot about scars and, I did not get my goal. My goal was to medal in the Olympics, and I didn't get it. So for a time it was a scar, but there were wonderful life lessons, so it's perfect. 
So I know you started um, the, and founded the Rusty Lion with your partner, uh, Robert Mallon. Can you briefly tell yep. us about the uh, – that's a pretty impressive, and I love what you say. I watched your video, something about the uh, scars on a lion equal wisdom. That's pretty amazing. Absolutely, Jim. You're, you're 100% right. You know, scars are transformational. They're, they're, they're the power that, that moves us in, in new directions. So I always say – uh, my kids would roll their eyes now when a, when a door closes, a window opens. Um, so Rusty Lion is uh, focused on men, um, entrepreneurial men, business leaders, age 30 to 49. On our website, we talk about why we don't coach women right now. Robert and I are lifetime friends. And we uh, were coaching together uh, back when I lived in Atlanta um, and then we had our separate businesses, so obviously I was running the Marina Group. We were coaching my leaders. I was co-coaching um, some of Robert's clients. He's been a coach since 2002. And when I sold my business and was kind of looking forward into what's next, we, as lifetime friends, you know, treasured friends, we hung out and would talk and brainstorm. And finally in 2013 we thought, you know what, there's a one plus one equals three aspect to who we are as men, we're very, very different. We're a yin and yang combination. But when you put that together into a coaching force, it's significantly exponential, the output that we're able to deliver to our coaching students. So Rusty Lion Academy, the lion is what all, man, all men aspire to, the nobility, the power, the strength, the win you know, on the battlefield. The rusty, as you pointed out, are the scars are our wisdom that leapfrog us ahead of our peers. And so there, there's no great lion, no leader of the pack that does not have those scars, and if you get up close, which I don't recommend. And so there's no great man. Um, and I know there's great women, but I'm laser beam focused on our, on our uh, demographic. So there's no great man who um, does not have those scars. And that's our business, Rusty Lion Academy and... Uh, we, What's a website I, where people can uh, con connect with you about that? Mm -hmm. Yep, so www.rustylionacademy.com. There's a, uh, uh, a homepage video that talks about in three minutes, you know, what we do, why we do it, um, how it benefits our students. And also um, it's easy to sign up for uh, our newsletter, which will give you a flavor. We deliver content each week like you do, um, and it gives our uh, – our audience a chance to connect with us and uh, gain benefit from our, our weekly content. Well, Bill, it wasn't lost on me, the, the whole yin and yang thing. I saw Robert wearing a uh, somewhat of a suit, although I did think he was sans yeah. tie, but you had, the, you had the jeans and boots on, which is exactly yeah. how I dress. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Robert and I, I mean, that guy's the, uh, the khaki uh, button-down blue blazer guy. We just shot some video last week. He that's just who he is, and it's awesome. And uh, I have never been that guy, always uncomfortable in a suit and tie. Avoided it like the plague if I could. We had a rule at the Morena Group that if you walked in with a tie, we had a set of scissors uh, on a string hanging by the door. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like you, uh, I, I gained power from uh, casual, and Robert gains power from, from crisp and clean. There you go. Bill, thank you so much, man. It's been a real honor and a privilege to have you Tim? on my program. Absolutely, pleasure. I, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you this morning, and I encourage your your audience to remain connected with you and, and gain great value from uh, what you're delivering. 
Awesome. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with the co-founder of the Rusty Lion Academy, Mr. Bill Watkins. Stick Like Glue is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers. Why? So they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. All great things. I'm Jim Palmer, your host, your dream business coach, and I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio this time next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Now go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.